Aloha Mission Church. What a joy to be back at home, back here. Um, it was uh, so good to be able to be away for a week. Um, I'll tell you about that in a moment. Um, but I, I want to just turn over here and say, Pastor Bob, thank you so much for the message you preached last Sunday. It really gave me so much of what I'm going to talk about today and uh, the message that you gave. And, and for the staff that uh, all pitched in while the pastor was gone, I am so grateful for all of you. Last week, I was asked um, by a, a family that used to attend Mission Church many, many, many years ago. I'm not sure if any of you would even remember or know them, but uh, they were a young couple that came to Mission Church um, and his work moved him around to different places and eventually to Hawaii where he attended the Bridge Church where I pastored for about four or five years and, um, and we became fast friends there. And from that, um, got to meet his children when they were little like this and then their youngest one grew up and asked me, hey, Pastor Gordon, would you, uh, would you perform my wedding ceremony? And of course, I said yes. And so last Sunday, we were just north of Portland in a little town called Washougal, and I got to uh, do a wedding for um, close friends of ours, and, and it was such a, a blessing to be able to do that. But I'm so grateful um, for the church. I was getting to that. <laughs> so grateful for the church and, um, <laughs> and how you helped me to remember to dismiss the children. Yay! <laughs> Oh, man, I fell back into my old habits. I'm so sorry. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly and Angela. Thank you, Rochelle. I'm so full of thanks today. <laughs> oh, but Pastor Bob, coming back to your sermon last Sunday, the message that you preach, faith activates sowing and reaping, and grace helps us. To live in abundance. Oh, as, I, as I listened to that, it, it made my, my, my spirit just, just well up with the joy of what we're talking about, stewardship. And it's not, honestly, trust me when I say this, it's not an easy subject to broach and talk about, for me anyway. Some people love to preach on it, but as I shared with you from my own past, the things that I struggle with it, because I never, ever want anyone to walk out these doors ever saying the words, all the church wants is my money. Because that's what I grew up with in the late 80s. And, um, and, and that's been something that's just been a part of me. But, but the Lord is helping me with that. I just want you to know. Because of messages like this, that faith activates the sowing and reaping, and grace helps us to live in abundance. And when we are able to live in the abundance of God's grace, we're able to give in the abundance of God's grace. So today, my sermon titled, you guys see it in, in, in the bulletin there, it's called Excel in the Grace of Giving. This, this, past, this title of my sermon comes directly from what the Apostle Paul's message to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn towards that. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the Apostle Paul is telling the Corinthians church about the grace that God gave to the churches in Macedonia 
and how God's grace enabled them to give generously. And what the Apostle Paul is doing here is he's holding up these Macedonian churches to be an example for the church there in Corinth. The Macedonian churches include the church of Philippi, um, the churches in Thessalonica, and possibly the church in Berea. And and, uh, these churches all were a part of northern Greece, heavily influenced by Roman culture. And there's something unique about these churches that, that it's so easy to overlook, but Paul helps us to know what these churches are going through. Here's some of the, uh, the things that, that we find in, in this passage of Scripture as we read it. There was a pressure to conform to Roman culture. These churches were not large churches. They were little churches. They faced all kinds of trials because they were these Christian communities in these pagan cultures. These churches were living in poverty. And yet, along with those things, they were marked by joy and generosity. Read with me or follow along with me. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 7. Hear the word of the Lord. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in them rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. And they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge, in complete earnestness and in the love we have kindled in you, hear the word, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. So here is just this beautiful picture of the Apostle Paul lifting up these churches in Macedonia who, as we know, were going through difficult trials, who lived in extreme poverty, yet were marked by joy and generosity. And so we know then that the root And the source of generosity is not the abundance that we live in, right? These churches were abundant, not in their financial resources, but they were abundant in the grace that they received from God. And generosity is not so much a matter of what tangible things we can give. Generosity is... It's a matter of our heart. It's, it's, 
It's a, a desire to, to love God and share with God and his people that is really at the heart of where generosity begins. And giving generously is not confined simply to giving monetarily. You know the three T's that go along with every stewardship sermon series, right? Time, talent, and treasures. We can be generous with all of those things. And generous stewards are marked by joy and generosity as they give of their time and as they give of their talents and also as they give of their treasures. After COVID-19 ended, not ended. We still are working through that. (laughs) But you know what? What I have seen in this church has been such a blessing to me. And in the midst of of the struggle of, of people still getting infected, something has happened beautifully in in this congregation as our as our masks have come off. You know what I have noticed and seen that has been so beautiful? that smiles have returned into the congregation. And there is a joy of sharing your joy, right? The smiles that we see as we do something that we never thought we would ever do again two and a half years ago as we embrace on Sunday morning and give each other hugs. I'm like, wow, we have come such a long way. In the joy of giving these small and simple gifts that require no money, but require the generous grace of God that has been placed in our hearts that we can share with one another. And this morning, as I entered into the the sanctuary, I turned and I looked around and CJ waving me over, come here, Pastor Gordon, and giving me a great big hug. I got a hug from Narita sitting right there. Carmen and I got to say hi. It's such a joy to come into God's house, his sanctuary, and be greeted with generous, generous love. And I know that the source of that comes from your heart. You, you, you give generously because you have the grace that God has poured into you generously. So it's not all about finances or anything about finances when it comes right down to it. It really is the desire to be hospitable, to share in the goodness of God. And so this morning, as as I came to church, I, I saw Gail and Jenny working in the kitchen, preparing generously. So that this morning, when you guys were out there enjoying those Mary's Donuts, oh, Can we say thank God for Mary's Donuts? Amen. As we enjoyed the Mary's Donuts and the warm fellowship out there, we know it because Gail and and Ginny and their team of people gave of their time and their talents so generously and beautifully there. And not only that, this morning, Jeff Van Cleve, I don't know if you're in here or not, but you guys know every Sunday morning he gets here. He's the third, per, second person or third person here, depending on what time I get here. Paul gets here first thing in the morning. <laughs> and then Jeff Van Cleve is here, and he makes coffee for every one of your Sunday school classes. Generously giving of his time, 
to be able to serve God's people that way. And we are so grateful for that. A team just returned from Honduras. And I've gotten some little uh, bits and pieces of of what God did when Barry, you, and Dean, and Kathy, and I don't know if Jerry's here this morning, but when you guys all went and served and gave generously of your time and your talent, and even your treasure, because I know it wasn't cheap to go. But that's what the heart of the church is about. It's about giving generously. You know why? Because to every single one that went there, God poured out grace into your lives generously, so much so that you can go. Not only that, (laughs) can I just take a moment to go on and talk about the generous ways people live their lives and give of themselves in ways that very few uh, in our church even know about. Dave Barnes, I saw you right there. Every Monday, Dave Barnes comes to church here And he spends all day long making this place beautiful for us. He's on his hands and knees. He's, you know those handrail poles, how beautiful they look even though you walk right by them and don't even notice? (laughs) Dave Barnes is on his back scraping those things and keeps painting them. And he makes this place safer because all of the, the cracks in the concrete, he's pouring gray goop in there. <laughs> I don't know what that's called, but, but he does all of that. Why? Because God's poured into his life generous grace. And now he helps others so beautifully. And it's not just Dave Barnes, but Jim Meyer. Right over here, I saw Jim sitting here. And what Jim Myers has done is he's come right into our resource center. And, and, and he's helping with reconstructing that so one day a Sunday school class can meet in there. And, and we can still have that resource center. And because of your generosity, Jim, God's people will be blessed because of you. And I can go on about Paul Ward and what he's done and, and, and John Langstrat and, and, and what he's given of himself to do to clear up the brush back there. And, and I will miss more people than I will be able to say who has been doing these amazing things generously, giving of themselves. Our worship team <laughs> who come on Friday to prepare and early on Sunday so that when you walk in here, you can generously give God praise because they have prepared themselves well. Thank you to the worship team, to our Sunday school teachers, to all of these amazing people that give of themselves beautifully. All excel in giving generously. That's what we're talking about today. Giving up their time, their talents, and their treasure. You know why? So that in the end, we can all gather together and give God glory. Nobody's doing it for themselves. You didn't know about Dave or about Jim or any of these people. They're not interested in you knowing about them. They'll probably scold me and tell me, Gordon, why'd you do that? It's not for me to... uh, It's about what the glory God can get. And that's what it's about, church. I'm reminded of a passage there in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25. A generous person will prosper because whoever refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. 
This is what's happening in the Macedonian churches. Despite the fact that they're going to tremendous trials and persecution, despite the fact that they live in abject poverty, they are marked by joy because of their generosity. Oh, and that's my prayer, that our church can move towards being that kind of church that finds great joy in being generous. Finding joy as you give of your life away for the glory of God. To be joyful and generous because all that we have has come from God. And the grace that we have received is what we share with others. Because the grace that God gives us is not to supply us with more things so that we can be generous with our things. No, no, no. The grace that God gives us is what ought to fill our hearts so that we can be cheerful givers, whatever we give. That's what 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, right? God loves a cheerful giver. And so today, more than just preaching on, the, on, on helping the church excel in the grace of giving, more than just doing that, what we want to do here at Mission Church is provide ample opportunity for us to all excel together in the many different ways that we can find opportunities for us to find that joy in being generous and giving of ourselves. And so, here are some great opportunities that we want to lay before you so that you can be a part of how we can excel in the grace of giving. Over the next few weeks and months, along with the tithes and offerings that you so generously give, we want to, we want to partner with other people that, that maybe do things that we're not able to do right now so that you can participate and the ministry that we have can reach even further and we can make a difference all throughout San Diego right here through Mission Church. And so, in a moment, I'm going to invite my friend, Kim Barry Jones. We went to college together, and she's the director of the Center uh, for um, Justice and Reconciliation at Point Loma. And she's going to talk to us about the Beauty for Ashes Scholarship Fund, something that I have been a part of since I was a pastor in Hawaii. And I know there's a history here with Mission Church that we have done this together with, uh, with Kim and the Center for Justice and Reconciliation. Outside, and you heard Renata talk about the backpacks that, uh, that you have been donating. We're going to continue to collect those so that we can bless others and share with Southeast San Diego Church and Foster Elementary. And what's passionate to me is also on September 4th, another way that we can give generously. And it's not even going to cost you a dime. Is that when you give of your life to help others to live. We're going to have a, a, a day where we donate blood. And I am a 100% proponent of this. Not just because uh, Doug is on the board there and he's a part of our church. <laughs> I've been doing this long before I ever met him. In Hawaii, we did, we did blood drives because... We believe in saving lives. I believe in saving lives. And 
I was reminded one, one Sunday morning in, in Hawaii, we had a donation, a blood drive during church service. And after the service, I got a text on my phone. And it was from my brother. And he said, hey, dad's in, in the hospital. And uh, after church, you ought to come by and see him. So I went down and, hey, dad, what's going on? And, you know, I learned that my dad had an internal bleeding issue and needed five pints of blood. He was that low. I don't know. Maybe it was just three. I don't know if you can live without five pints. But, and, and it was a day that I, I got the privilege to donate and watch my dad receive. And, and this is when I was reminded, one day, either you will need blood or someone you love will need blood. And you will be so grateful and thankful that people gave. That's why I get. And so I'm going to invite you to be a steward of life. And each pint that you donate can, be, uh, gen- can, can, can save up to three lives. And so, church, please, please, please help us to do that. One last one is in October. We're going to do our annual canned food drive again. And in our canned food drive, we're hoping to collect 5,000 cans. All the food we collect, we'll give away. And here's the extra added bonus to that. I've talked to Eric, our youth pastor, and we're going to do a a fundraiser to help our teens raise money for Nazarene Youth Conference, which costs a lot of money to go to. And here's, here's the incentive for our teens and our church to be involved. Every single can that comes in will be worth a value. Our teens are going to go out and collect pledges of a penny per can. So, Tom, if you bring in 10 cans and every single uh, pledge that comes in is worth a penny, your one can could be worth 10, 15, 20 dollars. So, when you give 10 cans, it could be every can could be 100 or 200 dollars. And it's going to be a really amazing thing where it's going to be a win 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 situation. Right? We'll collect cans to share with other people so that families can have food during the holidays. That's a win. Our teens, with every pledge that they collect, that's going to be a win because we can send them to NYC. And everyone that's involved is blessed. It's a win-win-win situation. We love those, don't we? So here's another win-win-win situation. <laughs> Hi, Kim. How are you? Great. Good to be here. So good to be here. I'm going to just ask him a few questions so that we can understand a little bit more about um, the Center for Justice and Reconciliation and Beauty for Ashes. Kim, take just a moment to just let the church know who you are. Great. So good to be here this morning. My name is Kim Barry Jones, and as Gordon said, I direct the Center for Justice and Reconciliation at Point Loma. But I am a graduate of the university, a um, we're now fourth generation legacy family at the university, so it's just a part of who I am to be at Point Loma, and I'm so honored to be in this role and to be invited here today. Wonderful. Thank you. Kim and I went to college together. Um, I think you graduated before me. Oh, yeah. But I'm older than did you. you take, so oh. <laughs> did you go, were you on the five-year plan? Yeah, oh, I was okay. on the seven-year plan. Oh, the seven-year plan. Okay, <laughs> got it. So, Kim, tell us a little bit about... Um, What's going on with what's happening here in San Diego in, the, in regards to, to human trafficking and sex trafficking? 
So I know that many of you are aware of this because Mission Church has been a part of this work from the beginning, but some of you may not be aware that human trafficking is is a real issue right here in our community. And it's something that just coming up on 10 years ago, I found out about. I knew that trafficking happened in other countries across the sea from us, but I didn't have any idea that human trafficking is actually a huge issue here. In fact, to the point that the FBI designated San Diego as one of the hot spots for child sex trafficking. That's a thing that we don't want to be designated for in San Diego. But the university has stepped into the middle of that work for about the last 10 years or a little more than that in a way that you can all be really proud of uh, as a connection that this church has to Point Loma. And what we did is we started to talk about what could we do in this space that would make a difference around this issue. And so there are multiple ways that we do that, Gordon, but um, we're going to be talking about one of them today. But the context that I want you to think about with this is that we're not talking about raising funds for to send overseas, which is a wonderful thing. And there's incredible ministries around the world for people who are trafficked. We're talking about the literally thousands of people who are currently being trafficked right here in San Diego. In your neighborhood, in every neighborhood of San Diego, we know that there are thousands of victims. So what is Point Loma doing to help end um, human and sex trafficking for children? And um, tell us a little bit about the No More program. Yeah, so like I mentioned, Point Loma really stepped into this space in a bold way, and it started with a research project that we were, we had the opportunity to do with the University of San Diego. And Dr. Jamie Gates, who many of you know, helped lead that research effort. And what that did was, it was the first time that San Diego had ever really identified how many victims of trafficking there were. And out of that research came a finding that none of us were expecting. We went to 20 high schools from all the way from Oceanside down to the border, and we asked the staff and administrators and teachers of those schools if they had seen any evidence of both the trafficking of their kids or what we call the grooming, which is the process that happens prior to someone being trafficked. And we found evidence of it in every single school. And that was something that nobody expected. And so what came out of that was a pretty amazing opportunity where the San Diego Unified School District came to Point Loma, a Christian university, and said, would you help us develop a prevention curriculum? And so that is what Gordon referenced as No More. Some of you may have already heard about No More because I know this church has helped fund it in the past, but No More is a human trafficking prevention curriculum. And the thing that's really unique about it is it's not just a grown-up standing up in front of kids with a PowerPoint. We do it through drama, and we show the story of a high school girl who is groomed under the nose of her eyes and ears of her mom and her teacher and her friends, but they don't know what they're looking at. And it's actually, unfortunately, all too common here in San Diego where we see kids getting recruited by people that are men, primarily, who are posing as their boyfriends. And so No More helps, gives kids the tools to not only recognize it, but to know what to do about it. And we have brought it to over 13,000 people since we began it. And I'll tell you that we had a two-year break with COVID because we weren't allowed into the schools. We went back this spring, and we knew that kids had been under 
an extreme amount of pressure during COVID. They'd been online more. Their parents had been having to work more. And we knew that kids were even more at risk. And within the first two weeks of bringing No More back into schools, we had two eighth grade girls who, while they were watching the drama, recognized something that was happening to them. And we were able to literally interrupt that and bring child welfare onto campus because of this program. So it is absolutely what we call interrupting, disrupting human trafficking in our community. Thank God for that. So Point Loma also has started a scholarship fund called the Beauty for Ashes Scholarship Fund. Can you tell us a little bit about that and, and why it was created? Yes, so this is where I got to step into this space. So just um, almost 10 years ago, when the research was about halfway through and we were starting to see the findings, at this point I was off running my own company, doing my own thing, loved Point Loma, but wasn't directly connected into this work yet. And what happened was a conversation with a few of us where we started to talk about What's the stake in the ground that the university could put around this issue? What is it that we could do? And one of the things we kept hearing from survivors of trafficking was this dream about college, but it wasn't even something they felt like was something they could even think about or consider. It felt way too far out there for them. And so we thought, well, gosh, we could do that. I mean, that's what we do. We're in the business of college education. Why not? Let's do that. And it's I love the way God works because you can take a a little seed of faith and a little dream and then to think where we are now. I had absolutely no idea what was in store for me, what was in store for the center or the university. But that's where the Beauty for Ashes Scholarship grew out of was this idea. Actually, we raised the money initially to bring one woman to Point Loma who was at our Bible college in Colorado Springs and really wanted a bachelor's degree. And so we raised the money for that one woman And it's now grown into a program where we've had five women graduate. And this fall, we have seven studying with us. And we have never had that many. (laughs) So, And I've learned over the years, Gordon, not to be afraid of the the challenges. Uh, In this work, and this this slide is one of the, this hope and pain slide is something that I, I talk about a lot. We, this is probably the darkest issue, at least that I I can think of. It's an issue that absolutely attacks the Imago Dei in people. It's an issue that um, tears people down and destroys. It's an issue of darkness. And I'll tell you, we feel it in the center. We feel um, the darkness. We feel the opposition. What we do is hard work. And I feel it's made even harder by the opposition that we face. But we also feel the hope, and we get to stand in that hope because of things like the Beauty Freshness Scholarship. So it's been life-changing for me and for the team at the center to watch these women come into the university with this idea of an education and then to watch them kind of like a beautiful rose that you get to watch open up over time and to watch literally the trajectory of their lives change because they're at Point Loma. And it's happening because of people like you. We support this scholarship 100% with donors. When we started in 2014 to raise the money, we had this many donors. (laughs) And we just loved a good challenge, and uh, we started spreading the word. Mission Church was one of the first uh, groups to come alongside us in this work and raise money. 
So we've done this work through 100% through the support of donors. And um, like I said, we have seven this fall. Tell us a little bit about why a college education is important for um, the, the people coming through the program. So I don't know about you, maybe, maybe some of you have been, I know a lot of you here even work at Point Loma. Many of you have a college education. Some people don't. It's not the pathway for everybody. But what I think it represents most of all is hope because it is an opportunity to change the direction that you're headed in. And what I've watched is not just the, the trajectory of the woman's life who was in the scholarship and who graduated, but actually the, her whole family. I've watched that trickle-down effect of, of kids who now are talking about, well, when, when I grow up, I'm going to come to Point Loma. Many of our students have children and are supporting their children while they go to Point Loma. So I think that what the college education does is it's, the, it's one of the first pieces of hope and belief in themselves that we see in these women. They don't, what's hard to understand from our perspective is everything's always had a catch for them. For women who've been caught in a life of trafficking, nothing's given to them freely. And what we do with the Beauty for Ashes Scholarship is there are no strings attached. This is, you don't have to tell your story to get the scholarship. You don't owe us anything by coming to the university under the scholarship. This is your opportunity. You do the work, and, and we provide the resources, and then it's up to you to do the work. And we have seen these light bulbs come on for people as they realize not just the college education, Gordon, but the key is the where it's happening, but it's happening at a Christian university. Someone asked me once, well, gosh, if, if I give you $10,000, couldn't you go a lot further with it at San Diego State? Well, maybe, but what I've seen happen is it's the love of God that these women are experiencing when they come to Point Loma, and they come at all different levels and stages in their faith, some very disillusioned with faith, some with faith intact, but all of them experiencing the difference that an education that happens within a Christian environment makes for them. Last question. Yes. How can Mission Church be involved in making a difference right now? Well, thanks for asking that. <laughs> so Gordon and I, like he mentioned, have been friends for a long time, and he was one of the very first supporters. He was, I think, the first church when they were in Hawaii that came to us with a donation. And here I'm seeing this friend of mine from across 20 years at that point uh, step up in this way. And Mission Church has done something very similar. Every year, this church has supported what we're doing. And this year, we're doing something different this summer, and we're calling it Color of the Future. Some of you may have been getting the emails if you're on our list. But right now, we're trying to raise money for our three new students. So we have seven, four of them returning. Two of those four, I believe, will graduate this year. But three brand new students that we're trying to fund. And what we do is we pair our, our gifts, our donations, with other aid. So we're actually able to support students for an average of um, eight to $15,000 a year. So it is actually more in line with the state um, tuition cost because of the other aid that we leverage. But we're here today because I came to Gordon and I said, hey, Gordon, I have an idea, which is always dangerous when I say that. But um, he's always game, too. I said, would Mission Church be willing to be our match donor? So as we are 
bringing, uh, trying to bring along this, this campaign. It's a two-week campaign, and we're in, we're in the middle of it. So tomorrow um, marks week two. And as we're in the middle of this campaign, could we ask Mission Church to be our match donor, where everything that Mission Church could raise, we could then say, we have a church who stepped alongside. So if you'll give a dollar, Mission Church will give a dollar to match. And so we are trying to close the gap this week on about $10,000. And that will, that will put us in a position to fully fund our new students with some of the other funds we've raised. So, color the future. Color the future. Thank you, yes, thank you, for sharing uh, your heart and this opportunity to be joyful and generous with our church. Thanks for having me. So by the grace of God, church, stewardship is marked again by joy and by generosity. It is extravagant giving because the gift is given from the grace that we have already received. I want you all to hear me when I say this because I believe this to be 100% true and Kim will agree with me 100%. No one here is obligated to give anything. It's the truth. Because biblical stewardship is not so much about duty. It's about delight. Biblical stewardship and, and the, 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 the call to, to excel in the grace of giving is a journey of faith and grace. And you know what the result is? The result is worship. Because when we give, we're, we're giving because we love the Lord. And it is our response to the goodness of God in our lives. And when you respond to God in goodness, we call that worship here. And so biblical stewardship really is a beautiful act of worship. And this, what's, this is what makes generosity so genius generosity really comes down to our love for God. And so, as the Apostle Paul used generosity, the generosity of the Macedonian church, as an example to the church in Corinth, it wasn't to impress them, but to spur them on to excel in the grace of giving. So, today, no obligation because we don't want to make this a duty, we want to make this a delight. We're going to take an offering for the Beauty for Ashes Scholarship Fund. So, ushers, if you guys would be able to come down, I would really appreciate that. We're going to take an offering. You can give by putting a, a gift in the offering plate. Or if you go online and uh, go to the church's um, giving site, there's a drop-down box for Beauty for Ashes Scholarship Fund. And you can give that way. Alongside that is uh, backpacks for Foster Elementary. You can give to that as well, too. I'd like to pray for our offering. And may you find delight and joy in being generous. Father in heaven, thank you so much that through our university, Point Loma, lives are being changed. And we get a chance to be a part of that. Lord, we pray for these women 
who are going through this educational process, the ones who have completed it prior, the ones who are going through it now, and by faith we pray for the ones that are coming up behind them, that by the grace of God, their lives would be transformed from being people who were trafficked to being people who are restored, renewed, given new life in Jesus' name. What a wonderful name it is. Because, Lord, you make the way for us to follow you. You are the way maker. And would you make the way for these, these women who are in this process? And thank you for this wonderful opportunity that we get to be a part of it. Bless this offering, we pray, to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.